0: I am your solo host this week, Jim Boshaw. Uh, Ben's out on vacation. It's a uh, Labor Day. I guess he didn't get the memo that uh, labor means work. So I'm going to hold down the fort while uh, yeah, Ben's out in Michigan. And apologies in advance uh, for the gratuitous baseball, hot dog, and uh, general pining about online systems. But guess what? those are very important to me or or very aggravating to me in uh, I guess that order Ben's in Michigan and he covered me while I was in Africa so this is kind of me paying back the favor and first I'll actually start off with a joke that he told me once um, you know Africa is a lot like Michigan I, I'm just kidding I don't have an end to that all right so here's here's a, a first story that I'm going to tell about Michigan. And I'll try to bookend this episode with some Michigan-related content. This Michigan story is from 2018. What a glorious year it was in the uh, the pre-COVID times when you could just, you know, go across the pond to work in Germany, bank a bunch of vacation hours with your company, and, and then, like, tell them, hey, next spring, I'm going to be driving across the country. I'm going to take two weeks off for that. And tell them that pretty much once a month until it actually happens or until you actually put in for that PTO. And then everybody's surprised and it's like, no, I I said it was going to happen. Look, we're a 20-person company. The CEO takes, like, month-long vacations. Granted, he owns the company. So I have two weeks. I did you a solid working in Germany. I'm going across the country. That's that's that. And that's the way it worked. And it was me and Papa in a uh, red Honda Civic from New Jersey. Well, with jersey plates at least. But yeah, we we drove all through the night. I think it was either a Thursday or a Friday night, but we stopped two places before we got to Detroit, and this is going from Boston. We stopped at a Wawa in Pennsylvania and a Waffle House in Ohio before going to try to see baseball up at at the park that they got there. It's no longer Tiger Stadium. I miss Tiger Stadium from the uh, World Series Baseball in 96. That was a good one. The reason I said we were going to try to go see baseball is because, like, we actually got into the park, and I don't think it was opening day. I think it was, like, the second day of the season, but it was, like, a day game. It was it was scheduled for 1 o'clock, and so they let people in. I mean, it's a little early to be calling anything, especially, you know, baseball early this early in the season. You don't want to start canceling games, so... There was supposed to be rain. We knew that. We thought it was just going to be a delay. Maybe go back to the car and hang out or go to Little Caesars Arena, which we ended up doing, I think, on the way to the ballpark. We both got our uh, headshots inside of like a Gordy Howe mannequin headless body that you, they have stairs behind that you can go stand up and pretend you're Gordy Howe. But it doesn't have movable arms, so like it's not that great of an impression of Gordy Howe because you can't punch anything. But I digress. So... The weather front ended up being pretty serious, and it rained all throughout the day and, and most of the night in Michigan, but like our plan was to get on the road after the baseball game and continue on into Missouri uh, to go see another baseball game after that. So, I mean, the clock was kind of ticking on us. Anyway, we get into the ballpark. I get actually like a free magnet giveaway and a hot dog and... Never actually saw any baseball, so I actually got like a ballpark hot dog inside of a baseball park, and did not see the ball of of which they spoke. Which I'm not going to say we're the only people that that's happened to. I mean, that's happened to probably a bunch of people in history where they never saw baseball. Baseball probably happened where we went. Baseball just didn't happen, and they were still selling concessions. So weird, weird time to see uh, to see baseball is in like the northern states at the very beginning of the season because they all like to play outside now like nobody nobody even in in those far north ones except for toronto likes to uh, put domes on things i don't get it but whatever the reason or uh, another crazy part about going to see baseball in another city in missouri in kc it was the very next day and i believe that was easter so yeah it was saturday in detroit and sunday in kc but i guess the same spor- storm front moved through uh except it was snow by this point in kansas city and they were like this really doesn't happen in april like i'm sorry like this seems weird like we were staying in, in a hotel outside of kc and then an airbnb after the game and they were like yeah this uh not that normal this doesn't happen every day. And it's like, well, it seems to... Look, I've only been in KC one day, and this is what it's like. But I got to say, Easter Sunday in KC, when it snows, weirdest place ever. You have downtown to yourself, as long as you don't need to go in any buildings or anything. But there was nobody, literally nobody on the streets. It was crazy. Uh, the... The awesome part about that trip is like I got to see Ben at the very end of that West Coast trip. Like we drove up to Seattle to see uh, our bud Tim, and and uh, my brother, and then then flew down to San Francisco and and helped Ben move across a park, and and we did successfully. Like as soon as we landed, like, and I think we talked about it before, but I just wanted to say I really enjoyed that. You know, it's like a free workout when when you get down right out of the sky. But now it's time for me to move into some more contemporary post-COVID stories. Like um, the Orange Line up here in Boston. Uh, they closed it down like a couple of weeks back. And they said it's going to reopen. So they closed it down August 19th. Says it's going to reopen September 19th. Um, I read one article where, where some... I don't know if it was an official or somebody affiliated with the, the MBTA, but somebody was trying to say that they're trying to get done five years worth of work, like five years worth of, you know, modification and, and remodeling on, on the actual system just for the orange line. And we all know it needs it. Like, I mean, the trains were catching fire and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't great. And, uh, you know, it's going to the outlying areas that are that are getting casinos and things of that nature. So, they got to shut it down. But the state, you know, gave them like, I think it was close to $40 million to, you know, replace it with buses. That is what it is. I mean, those buses cost a lot. Taking up traffic, I don't know. That that costs people untold uh, amounts of time and, and energy. But either way. I'm surprised that there aren't. Like, I've heard people, you know, say to each other, like, let's bet on when it reopens, but I haven't seen any actual online gaming houses uh, offering bets on like when the Orange Line is actually going to reopen. And I thought that was pretty interesting because I don't know. We got, we now have sports gambling, but like, this isn't sports gambling. This is just gambling. We do have gaming houses. So, Why can't you gamble on when the red line or the uh, the orange line is going to reopen? I mean, I would like to place it back because I put mine somewhere in 2023 or 2024. But yeah, that that's all joking aside. I mean, they are missing a grand opportunity there. Speaking of, you know, people who were excited to see the state actually pass like the sports gambling, I went to go go see baseball at Fenway this past week with. uh, with one of my buddies who, who, yeah, has a, has a little, little French bulldog and a newly remodeled like kitchen. And, you know, it it's, it's a nice big sink. You know, I, I thought about pissing in it, but I haven't yet. So, well, I'll, uh, I'll let you, I'll keep you updated on that one. I just gotta say walking around with this guy is just like being in college again. Like we're, we're, Going at a clip like we're we're fucking late for something like late for a class or late to get to the bar before the the bouncer actually shows up and starts iding people, but it's great because you know we we both have either wives or respective girlfriends and uh, they don't they don't like going at like a quick clip they don't like being sweaty at the end of a walk and sometimes you appreciate a dude's night out where it's just like yeah it says. Google Google Maps says it's like a 10 minute walk. I think we can do it in like 7. I love that. I love that. And I you know, I've been to a couple of sporting events with this guy and you know, when it's just us, yeah, we we book. And uh actually Look, I'm trying to live a little healthier, so I've been tracking my steps on on the like my Samsung phone app and you know, I've been I've been doing pretty well. Surveying's pretty good for for shit like that. Uh, but the amount of steps that we had, like between the car and the park, it was it's was like twenty two hundred, and I mean we we did it real fucking quick, real real fucking quick. And I I love that. Um. But while we were walking on the way, uh, past some good memory spots around around Fenway and like the Back Bay neighborhood that it's in because I went to go see opening day at Fenway back in 2013 and this was against the Orioles or it was like opening day at Fenway I think they might have opened on the road but it was like the first game of the year in Boston for the Sox and there was a church which is still there but the church was next to a parking lot which is now like a 15-story construction site which hey it's it's progress but but man, they got a lot of steel and concrete into that small little space between like the highway and Commonwealth Ave. It's it's pretty crazy. But anyway, out front of this church back in 2013, they had like a card table and they actually had the priest there. This was this was a weekday. I remember taking off work for this. But the priest was handing out free hot dogs. Just free hot dogs to anybody. And we had been at the Poorhouse, uh, R.I.P., but soon to be resurrected Poorhouse, which is a is a great bar, and I hope it stays great when it reopens, because they had uh good solid like large large beers and uh, and a good solid breakfast for very inexpensive like prices for you know any city, I guess. But yeah. This priest was handing out free hot dogs. I didn't ask him about the brand or quality of, of the dogs or or bread, which I'm known to do. Because, I mean, look, I already told a story about Ballpark Franks here. And uh, I think last week I told a story about Martin's Buns. So you'll have that. But I'm not going to lie. Because we probably had a, a couple of 22-ounce beers in us. So like, It was a good hot dog. Free, making it phenomenal. I I give it 10 hot dogs out of 10 buns. And those are, those are bun length hot dogs as well. So that's a good experience. If you, if you're ever over near like the, uh, the Fenway neighborhood on opening day, there might be a priest handing out hot dogs. And I forget the name of the church. I thought it might be our lady of complimentary hot dogs, But I looked up the uh, patron saint of cured meat makers. And that's actually St. Anthony the Abbot. So it's probably St. Anthony the Abbot's, But I could be wrong on that. The other thing that's pretty close to that that neighborhood. Is the last iron beams before you go under Heinz Convention Center in the Prudential area. There used to be a tag. And it was very crudely done. But it's a blue painted beam. So it stood out when when you do it in... Bright orange, I believe it was, and it was five letters, spelled J I M B O. It was a Jimbo tag, wasn't me, but I respected it. But yeah, walking walking past that, you if you look over your shoulder on ninety on that last iron beam that goes over the highway, there's five blue marks. They covered them up, but still, you can see the five blue marks, and I appreciate that kind of a kind of beauty in in the city going into Fenway they've changed it you know that parking garage and the the Aramark entrance you, you can't sneak in that way anymore uh, it's now a venue and so I forget who was playing but this was September 1st it was move-in day you know new people to the city parents want to take their kids out you know they're in town for one night what do you do you either go to Fenway or go see somebody and so this is right across the street from the house of Blues. so the neighborhoods just packed you know it's a uh, sure it's a week night but still september 1st everybody moved so either everybody's done moving or like they're they're just on their way out of town tomorrow so they can they can do whatever so some of the lines were pretty long but they were moving and uh gotta say like the the cashless nature of fenway and the paperless nature of the tickets makes it a lot easier for you to say to ushers just somebody else has my ticket i'm sorry man but i'm like right there and that works but we still know the security loophole where if you go up by the sam deck and you you go down and over you get a good spot up in some standing room spots and we call it the spot that's why i've said spot so many times in the last like minute but it's a great great vantage to see balls go out over the monster like directly you kind of look down that line and you know, you see the whole field, it's a little bit more difficult to see Pesky Pole, but if you if you can take some stairs in an experience at Fenway and you don't mind standing for a ball game, I'd suggest going up to the Sam Deck, making a left, and then and then going up higher to the light scanchions cuz you get a shot at some foul balls from right-handed hitters when they they jam them, like when they they throw like some inside sliders and inside cheddar on them they get jammed, they start hitting foul balls, and we saw one go over the roof, and one hit like the light scansion, so these were over our heads, and we were the highest spectators in the stadium, both, you know, mentally and, and physically. One gripe about that section, though, is that the upper-level vendors have closed. Uh, there used to be Two that I could depend on. Uh, one was almost exclusively a beer vendor, like beer and, and peanuts, which now is on a, a lower kind of mezzanine level. And there was also like a, a mixed food, snacks and, and warm, warm, tasty treats uh, vendor that also sold souvenir sodas. So I had access to everything I wanted, beer, peanuts, pretzels, souvenir cups of sodas. But th- both of those vendors are now closed So you got to go downstairs. And uh, when I was walking up to the the new beer stand, I was smiling. And the guy was like, oh, man, you look happy. And I was like, yeah, well, I am. You know, I'm here talking to you. I'm about to get some beers, man. Like things are looking up. He's like, oh, man, like it's good to see you feeling like that the way the team is. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) all right, like good start to the night, dude. That guy did not ID me. Like, I still had to pay for the beers and everything, but did not ID me, and uh, and also, like, didn't open the beers. Like So, normally, at a sporting event, you don't want to give somebody a closed container, like a, a fully sealed container. Usually, if you get, like, something with a screw top, they take the top, or if you get something that's a can, they'll uh, they'll crack the can for you preemptively. So, you can't throw, like, a one-pound missile you know, out onto the field. Cause some people can really huck it, but yeah, I, uh, I got some, I got, I got two to start and, uh, I got two, uh, a little later on as well, but it was, it was pretty intense cause it happened twice. Like he, he didn't ID me and didn't open the beers. Like he, he was all right with, I guess me smiling at him or just saying I was excited to be there talking to him and grab some beers. But I gotta say, you know, when you're forced to get beer from people it's easier when you're nice to them and if you're going to take away anything from this episode please let it be that now in addition to like the vendors not being on that upper level there are also better vendors for some certain items I haven't found the best pretzel yet. I've I've had some pretty good pretzels. I'd say they're all comparable as long as you know when they came out. So usually I try to get one early because they get stale by the end of a game if they've just been sitting there rotating. But my buddy said he knew where the best sausages were, and so we went in search of the best sausage. I can't I can't speak for the sausage because I didn't get it and I usually don't, but the hot dogs were about the same at at the the cross other side of the the stadium vendor either way you know i i like traditions and you know I, I like the opinions of of hot dog and encased meat vendors as i've already made it pretty obvious this episode but other than encased meat vendors uh tradition i like at baseball games which was introduced to me by my father, is the Mound Game. And for those of you not in the know, if, if you weren't able to pick it up from, I guess, the half-assed me mentioning it in previous episodes, at baseball games in the 70s, some young men in the Delaware area thought it was a pretty boring game at times, if, especially if your team's shitty and there's not a lot of fans in the ballpark. So you need something to keep it interesting and what you have is when the players aren't actually on the field there's there's just, you know, a, a one one thing that happens after like the third out in a half inning and that is the umpire walking out maybe from behind home plate like a couple of steps towards the mound maybe he goes a couple of steps up uh, up towards the first baseline but what they do is they throw the ball out to the mound for the pitcher who's coming up to pitch in the next half inning now, what these young men noticed is sometimes it went on the mound, sometimes it didn't, and there is your game. Sometimes it's on the mound, sometimes it isn't. So whose turn is it? Usually you go left to right. And as, as the mound misses accumulate, if you do not get the ball on the mound or if the umpire fails to get the ball on the mound, uh, the points roll over. So if you know the, the ball doesn't get on the mound until the middle of the second inning, That person gets three points, whoever it is in the left or right order. But the catch is, you have to see the ball on the mound and declare it. So it doesn't matter if nobody's around you, you can see it and declare it, but you do have to see it and declare it so you need some sort of proof it's easier with cell phones nowadays because you can just take a picture of it you know if your friends try to bail on you because they know you're gonna win the mound game you can just take a picture of it send it to a group text and that's really easy like see it and declare it because the next chance that somebody has is the next half inning so you have a long time to declare it that's a that's a huge part of the game especially with my father because he's he's a good chatty guy I mean he he knows how to carry a conversation so he'll know when your turn is and and try to steer the conversation but you know after after going to ball games with him for I guess over 30 years now I've me and my brother have gotten hip to it but other people don't sometimes sometimes he gets people the key is if you're going to a ball game with my dad, just know who's half inning it is. Like that's the only thing you got to know about baseball. He'll ask you other things. He'll probably try to distract you with baseball stuff, but that's really all you got to know is you got to see it and declare it. Having said all that, I think when me, my dad, and my brother were at Fenway, the dude was throwing rocks. Like everybody was getting single points. There were not a lot of misses. It was the same this night and I I thought that was kind of crazy that might have been the same ump. I uh I didn't check his name. I forgot the name that we checked uh for for the ump at one of the ball games that we saw. I forget if it was New York or Fenway, but yeah, man. It's it's pretty crazy when you just have that heavy of a spray of points. But maybe maybe that's what they're teaching the umps like cuz I've seen at ball games other people playing this game. Some people pass around a cup with single dollars in it. Other people just pass like a wad of cash around. We never played for cash. It was always just for fun, because you need to make the boring game a little bit more fun, and this was a way to do that. Now, one thing that comes with my simultaneous love and hatred of traditions is that I don't appreciate authority and the, uh, we'll call it unchangedness, the the static nature of, of constitutions. And so... I was told by my father after me and my brother tried to change the rules of the game, I tried to give my brother some points just so we could kind of monopolize the points against our father and so he wouldn't win. It backfired. I mean, he ended up winning because the guy was just throwing rocks. I mean, he missed a couple for me and they they rolled over to my dad, so he ended up getting like a quick four or six points somewhere in like the, the middle innings. But anyway, we tried to corner the market on points by having two parties against one he disagreed. He said, you can't change the rules. And I said, there was nothing in the constitution that said we can't change the rules. So we're still disagreeing about that. I think there are some rules that should remain the same in the game, namely calling and declaring the ball on the mound. If you're unfortunate enough to see a umpire who hands the ball to the pitcher, I am sorry. You should, you should give that umpire hell. We always do. But one last thing about like the the baseball journey that that me, my dad, and my brother took is we went to a sub shop in the neighborhood where uh, City Field is for the Mets, and they had. I mean, they've been there for years. I think it was multi generational. The owner they basically owned like an entire city block, but they had like a really solid salted cured meat sub. They had like a special and a you know a daily special or a mama special and a daily special something like that, and they were all you know. You don't get to choose what you want on the thing. We just we just gave it to you with like really nice meat, really nice bread, really nice cheese, some spread and vegetables of our choosing. Enjoy. But they had a lot of, I guess they're famous people maybe to the neighborhood. I didn't really pay attention because you go to a lot of places that have just people's either headshots or portraits all over. Sometimes I don't have time to look at and read all the things. Although I do enjoy places like that because the more you go to them, the more you see. It's like watching a movie with like really intricate writing and dialogue, you know, you just hear a little bit more each time. Uh, but what I got from the wall, the mural of of just headshots of people who had signed, it was a lot of like seemed like cops and firefighters and stuff, but I did see Vincent D'Onofrio. He was the only face that I recognized. And so I forget the the name of the place. It it might have been Mama's, but It'll always be Vincent D'Onofrio's to me, and that's that's kind of the way I want to remember it. But leaving the the Sox game, we actually left a little bit early, and it's a shame that we did because man, it ended up being a good game. They ended up coming back and winning on a, from a guy who the entire night we just kept saying, "Who? Who is that? How do you how do you say that name? That's too many silo- or, uh, consonants in a row." And yeah. His his name, his last name is Rem Snyder. And it, it is probably too many consonants in a row, but I tell you what, I mean the dude comes up in the clutch. He knows he knows when to hit him and when to not, especially in the later innings. And the reason we figured out that something was going on in the game is walking back, before we got to the Prudential Center, there's this firehouse, and all the firefighters were standing up watching the TV, so we figured something was going on in the Sox game. Sure enough, we check it, and they had tied it up, and then ended up winning it with a uh, walk-off single from Rem Snyder. But yeah, I guess remember that name or don't. It's like Will Avis, you'll never know. Passing that fire station on the way to the Prudential Center there are three flags outside of the Prudential Center. Usually they have, you know, like the state of Massachusetts or like a Marriott flag. I think they got a Marriott in there or something. But this time they have uh, three international flags. Not really sure of the connection. I'm sure somebody's visiting. There's some dignitary in town or whatever. But they were, uh, from left to right, it was Germany, the U.S., and Canada. I thought that was pretty interesting. Because, uh, you know, we're... We're not in on great terms with the U.S. or Germany or Canada right now. It, you know, as Prudential Center in Massachusetts, state of Massachusetts, go, look, like they're, they're, uh, really, really rabble I'm, I'm surprised they weren't supporting themselves. Uh, it's odd on the eve of an election, but maybe, hey, they're trying to curry favor with somebody from Germany, the U.S., or Canada. That, that's my, uh, I think the end of my baseball story is here. So that that's pretty good. I mean, I, I was able to get it in, hopefully, you know, a little less than halfway through this episode. We'll see. But pivoting to something that's not as easy for me as going to baseball games, I tried to challenge myself personally by picking a different web browser. Now, I was a big fan of the Google products, and I, and I still am, and I'll tell you why. I, the challenging myself that I wanted to do I wanted to use on my computer and on my phone the Microsoft products. Microsoft Edge, Bing, whatever the hell else you call it other than Explorer. I guess they don't have that anymore and they don't support that. So I had Edge and, and Bing search, you know, kind of as the default browsers on a couple of machines and tried to use them exclusively. Um, and after two months, I have to say that like I I have given up the microsoft rewards that i got the from like using the search and doing their surveys and quizzes you know you can do a maximum amount of of point getting each day and the points that i accrued almost are worth 1 quarters worth of xbox live money like i can i can get almost 25 cents off of a purchase on like the xbox community which is not bad. I mean, from a browser using for 2 months, you know, that's that's like a dime a month. That's pretty good, especially the way inflation's going. I mean, I all they got to do is search and survey a little more. They're not collecting any information on me by rewarding searches and surveys and and quizzes to see how how adept you are at things. I had to give up and it wasn't because, you know, they were tracking me. I mean, they can know how good I am at geography. I don't I don't care about the daily quizzes. But one thing I can't do is sign into my medical insurance website. So I had to eliminate them as a browser. I, I really tried. I really tried searching for the settings that would allow me to sign in to my medical insurance website. But sadly, they I wasn't able to. I sure hope somebody out there figures it out. Maybe you can message us. Email us at roadsodaspod at gmail.com or on Instagram, roadsodaspod. Uh, but yeah, I... So I had to switch back to the Google products, unfortunately. And I am sorry. I, Bill Gates, I tried. I really did. But Microsoft isn't the only issue. I mean, it worked most of the time until that one thing happened. And I am sorry for leaving because of one thing. But insurance is kind of like the opposite. Like, so many things go wrong, and then you just need one thing to go right for it. And usually that's that's either like knowing who your insurance company is or getting the policy claim paid like th- those are just the one things that you need and and that's kind of kind of my thing is is the first one where I didn't know what what company I actually signed up for insurance and I didn't realize this until like I got a snooty customer service person after getting god countless dozens of of unhelpful middlemen which which is so strange to me, and I, I think we might be on like the the precipice of like an economic downturn, because like the amount of people in this industry, it, well, I guess insurance is like the Simpsons said, it's a form of gambling, and so you know the the more you require it by the state, like to have car insurance, like the more people are gonna get in between you and the actual insurance. I guess I had to go through a broker, and he said I signed up for a certain insurance company, uh, which I actually didn't. I signed up for the one that's actually in this state, which is under a new name. It wasn't until like the 15th page of my policy that it said that. And it only said that once. I mean, all the other indications indicated the big national company with all the, the commercials, but nope, I had somebody else. And it took me until one customer service person in the IT department who was just like, did you sign into the, wait, you're in Massachusetts, right? So, did you try X name instead of the big national name dot com? Did you try signing in there? I was like, no, why would I? And she was like, well, that's probably the company. Like, that's probably where it is. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. She was like, no. She was like, can I help you with anything else? I was like, yeah, change my insurance back to the big one. She's like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, goodbye and it's it's crazy like i i only needed to connect with that one person but i connected god with it it was at least 15 people between her and me and that's that's why i'm worried kind of about inflation and the economy is because if those if that those people are you know working working and they're just like i don't know i can transfer you like <laughs> you got me like i See, like the thing is, is like that policy number, like that goes in, but then the the thing times out on me. It's like, yeah, it does that for me too. But I'm the consumer. Aren't you in the system? It's like, Yeah, I know. Right? Well, it is my first day. Uh can you please rate and review? I like, No, no, stop. Just help me. I guess that's a problem as old as time. At least I got through to the person. I mean, I've had some customer service experiences where I just don't get through to the person and eventually you either give up uh, or if money's involved you know you find another way around usually some sort of bank transfer or something or or you just you know check your mail and you start reading things more intently but getting to the 15th page of an insurance policy seemed like a lot of reading for me I guess that's the lengths I got to go to now but it's not it's not even like just that the, the car insurance is one thing. Like the medical insurance was another thing because I tried to change my primary care provider. And the same thing happened is like, you try to schedule appointments for people like online, because guess what? You can't call doctor's offices because doctor's offices don't give out their numbers. What the numbers are for every doctor is just like the health plan network. So you just call like basically a one 800 number and, and guess what you're never going to get through to a doctor that way unless you know their extension and like the special code to enter so if you do it online you try to schedule you basically get a call from that 1-800 call center and they're just like oh yeah here's the doctor's 1-800 number and you say can you help me schedule an appointment and they say no and it's like well then why'd you call me like i know that number i tried calling that number (laughs) but oh i i I still don't know exactly what to say to these people because they know they can't help me. I don't know why they're calling to try to not help me. Like I, maybe, maybe I think too much. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe I'm just thinking about it too much. And I think about a lot, trust me. But if I had a job like that, unless it paid like so much money, I would, my soul would be crushed every day. Like talking to somebody who's like, Hey, you're calling about this doctor, right? And they're like, yes, can you help me schedule anything with this doctor or get through to them? It's like, no, I can't. The best I can do is give you a phone number. I hope you're writing this down. <laughs> I I would I would be crushed every day. Like It would hurt. But whatever. Uh, hey, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, right? I, I, I love that saying. And hopefully somebody justifies, I don't know, something terrible like a nuclear war with it and it's just like you know the the american public's just like yeah you got to do what you got to do i get it I get it. you got to make that paper yeah uh and all right i'll try to make this the last bummer of the episode and i am sorry for talking insurance talk i i ramble about that shit sometimes but this this sentence actually hurts to say and um I'm going to try to keep my reporting on it to a minimum, but stewing is still a thing. We haven't figured out how to take rental trucks into Boston yet. Uh, we I think we had two this past September first. I didn't get affected by them, but a lot of people did. So watch out out there. Uh, you know, just make sure the height of your vehicle is correct, and if you start hitting signs on the way to things or like red lights start flashing when you're approaching a bridge, maybe slow down a little bit. Get over. Uh, and really think about what you're doing. That's all I gotta say. All right, And my last, my last story here, uh, this isn't actually my story. This is kind of a review of that Bigfoot guy that we were talking about last time, Jason Humber. Um, I wasn't able to watch part five like I had initially intended. Uh, so what I did, because I noticed part four was actually the second part of a two part series. I watched part three, so I watched Revenge of the Sith and then watched A New Hope. I I know that's a weird order to put on, like having Hayden Christensen show up in the second movie is probably a little worse than Lando Calrissian, I get it, I get it, but it's what I did, and this actually involves, yeah, our, our host, Bigfoot hunter, Jason Humber, going to a Michigan conference uh, about big feet. I guess. And I think it was in Ann Arbor. I mean, they had some some really good stock footage that I imagine was lifted from like a University of Michigan like video or something, but definitely wasn't on par with the rest of the quality of, of the conference and and documentaries as I've seen them. But the episode starts with him like talking to a guy in the Pacific Northwest, I think it's British Columbia. And he says, like, I saw this Bigfoot in this place. There's a lot of trees pushed over and all this. And you hear weird howling at night. And so our, our documentarian goes up there. And then he's like, I have to leave. And just bails immediately. He's like, man, I didn't see any Bigfoot. But like, oh, it was good to be here. And so he leaves. And then he gets a call. From a guy who's like sitting in a recliner in a wood paneled—I'd call it a den. The, the the people who have this type of wood paneled rooms call it a den. But he's asked to attend to speak at a conference in Michigan. Like he's, and the reason I say attend or speak uh, at a conference is because I don't think he was actually scheduled. Like a co- a Bigfoot conference did happen, and he filmed at it, but I don't think he was on the schedule for this. Uh, and I'll. I'll get to it later, but like people kind of poke fun at it, uh, and and just the way it seems, like the way his talk was actually shot, really really makes it seem like he did it in an empty room, pretending like he was in the conference. But like dressed like Indiana Jones, he goes and pretends to run into like the Bigfoot celebrities and the the experienced Bigfoot hunt- hunters, and uh, he gets invited to like go on the the. Um, camping trip with them and and that's kind of where I popped in on the the first episode that I watched part four but on this trip are in addition to the experienced Bigfoot hunters the she-squatchers and I forget the British guy's name but there's a British guy and the British guy likes to use scientific methods. Like he he likes to use the the IR scanning and and the satellite photos and things of that nature. The she squatchers. I think there's some scientists in the group, but there's also some psychics in the group. And so they use a little bit of astral projection, remote location, and and psychic pinging to zero on Bigfoot. And they they actually almost get one. Like they they like kind of zero in on them using the astral projection, the remote sensing or the remote viewing. Sorry. And, uh and then the scientist guy kind of goes in boots on the ground, looking with the IR scan. And they saw something that might've been like a tiny, 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 like tiny little mouse, but like it could have been a Bigfoot tell. You never know. You never know. Like they were really close. They were so close to finding a Bigfoot that, it's good that it narrowly escaped. I think a couple of the guys were armed, but like I'd watch out for those she squatchers. But when they were walking back, the British guys or the British guy and, and the others, like, they were talking about the conference, but they kept at towards Jason because they I guess they were on film for him, they kept saying, Your conference, you know, kinda putting it in quotes and and emphasizing it in a way that made it seem like oh yeah like the way it was presented in the the video or like on the on the documentary in, in part 3 is that like oh he was putting on the conference and he's like a keynote speaker when actually he was just a guy who showed up dressed like Indiana Jones and filmed himself in an empty conference room but hey that's i i don't know i've been presenting kind of both of those sides of it i don't know which one to believe just like Bigfoot. I'm, I'm kind of a skeptic on both. But one one of the things that they're looking for, which are obvious signs of Bigfoot, are like these tree breaks where trees have been snapped kind of like six, eight feet above, you know, kind of Bigfoot height, like where, where if you stood with your arms out in front of you, you would be able to push over and like snap a tree. So And we all know Bigfeet are like nine feet tall, of course. So you're looking for tree breaks that are kind of in that range, and uh, the other thing is they say structures where like trees have have been arranged in such a way where where they form almost like a TP or a triangle shape, like like they fell in two different directions and formed a triangle shape. So armed with this knowledge, I was up at the station last weekend, and uh, my land is covered, covered with big feet like I I am actually worried at this point the amount of tree breaks and and you know structures that I saw I am horrified I I think I gotta get out now uh and a good thing I did watch this good thing I do believe it now and and all I gotta say is the verdict on this series so far for me after two of I think six episodes is all it really takes to make a documentary is attending a Bigfoot conference in Michigan. And you can you can get that on an international streaming service. Then all you need is a catchy title and high search engine optimization. Like some high SEO. And phew, we're there, dude. And so that's my pitch to you, Ben, I guess publicly. So nobody steal that idea. I mean, dude, this is ours. Well, I guess it's actually Jason Humber's, but it's ours now. We're not, we're not stealing it from anybody else. And on that note, uh, regardless of all the things that I might have presented as advice in this episode, I have absolutely nothing for you guys. Uh, you can go fuck yourselves and pause for Ben.